listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the bonus hour on this Friday. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. It'll be very local in the bonus hour today. Very FGCU-centric, in fact. Baseball and then women's basketball. You know, two nationally ranked programs. Thank you very much. Dave Tillette, the only baseball coach that FGCU's ever had, joins us from Tallahassee once again. What the heck are you doing back in Tallahassee? Weren't you there last weekend? We were. We were. We kind of had a good trip, so we decided to come back for another weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fam, you, I believe, on the docket for three games. If you haven't heard, FGCU baseball nationally ranked 12 and 2, best start in school history. And they went to Tallahassee last weekend, took two or three from the Knolls, the first non conference team to win a series in Tallahassee in nearly 20 years. Listen, I know you always think you're going to be good. Did you think you'd be this good this early? We did. I mean, it's uh, we have a lot of veterans on this team, and and we thought we were going to be better than we were last year. We and we had a decent year. We just didn't get it done in the end, losing two one-run ball games in the tournament. But but we really felt that we could be pretty decent this year for sure. There's two things from afar that I've noticed. First off, you guys are relentless. I mean, that third and fourth time through the lineup, you guys destroy pitching. And and I'm just curious, that is that something that a team has before the start of the season? Or is that something that early in the season you do it a couple times and then you expect to do it? Well, last year uh, we had zero come from behind wins. And it was a big – preseason and in the fall we challenged them we would put the starting lineup three runs down we would make them hit with wood bats and just made it really really tough on them and and boy i tell you what it's really shown up because we do have some come from behind wins friday and saturday last week winning at florida state but not only that i mean you know coach you just went to troy who was undefeated and won both midweek games. You know, that's not throwing your number one and two starters out there. That's that's throwing, you know, a bunch of guys out there hoping to get some pitching. And, oh, by the way, you scored 23 runs. I mean, you know, I don't want to say it was as impressive as taking two out of three against the Knowles, but, damn, that was impressive. I thought it was. I thought Troy is a really, really good baseball team. I thought we were basically looking ourselves in the mirror because they had the same type of offensive numbers as we did. Um, and they had some really, really good arms. And uh, for us to win two midweek like that, and we had to mix and match because we got some, we got a little injury at the top of our rotation, which might plug us a little bit. But I mean, hopefully we get him back next week against Liberty. Um, but so I'm, I'm, we had a lot of guys step up on the mound, and then just our, our bats continued to be on fire at Troy. FGCU 12-2, and two. they have the three-game series against FAMU, and then, as Dave Tillett mentioned, they're home next weekend, and they're playing the preseason favorite. And the 
you know, team that's won it a few times here recently in Liberty. And so they start conference play with arguably the two best teams in the conference playing over at Swanson. If you haven't seen FGCU baseball yet this year, Friday, Saturday, Sunday next week might not be a bad opportunity to do so. And remember, you can get a beer at these games now. Um, is this is this still in a way it can haunt a program but also benefit a program you've still got guys on your program who are with you through covid right is this the beneficiary it's hurt you in that you can't recruit as many guys as you want but if you can figure out your roster sometimes you can be deeper longer uh no question i mean this is the last of the covid group uh which has been a really special group um but it's definitely helped us. We're very mature with our bats. We're very mature the way we care ourselves. Um, I mean, some of these guys are, are going to be 23 years old. I mean, they're men. And so, so from that um, aspect, it has really, really helped us. Okay. Um, now, come on, play along with me here, Coach. Last week, when you beat Florida State on Friday night, Next Level Baseball tweeted out, FGCU gets the win on the road versus nationally ranked Power 5 on a Friday night. Teams take on the personality of their head coach. And Dave Tillette is tough as woodpecker lips. A, had you ever heard it before? And B, do you know how tough a woodpecker lip is? Um, I have never heard that before, but um, the kids kind of like it. Um, uh, so they tell me when we get back, they get me a Woody Woodpecker shirt. So, um, um, no, I've never heard that. Um, but I do know the Woodpecker that sits outside my house that will beat on the telephone poles and the and the metal poles. Yeah, it, it's a pretty tough lip, I guess. Or beak. Did you take it as a compliment, or did you want to reach out to them and say, "Come on, guys"? I mean, because that—that's tough. You know, that's—that's that's not old shoe leather. There. I mean, woodpecker lips is a whole new level of tough. <laughs> I took it as a compliment. I really did. Um, but the kids have had a lot of fun with it, and uh, so it's been good. Uh, but we are. I, I mean, that's the way we go about things. I think our kids are tough. I think they. Uh, um, I think they have to be tough to win at the mid division one level against uh, top ranked teams, and uh, and so we always talk about our toughness. And in uh, this group, as I said earlier, I mean they're a lot older, but man, I tell you what, they're tough also. All right, what we know. Like, you beat Florida State a couple times, and the guys are literally holding up signs that say, we know. Hashtag we know. What is that all about? Um, that's all about, I mean, that basically started um, here about three weeks ago. And I said, hey, there's only 40 of us that know how good we are. But we get a chance to let a lot of people know how good we are. But we know. And I just kept saying it. And that's the only sign I put up in the dugout is is, is we know. And that's all that really has to matter in this whole thing is we know how good we are. But we get a chance to go prove how good we are in these eight games, and which will be so big, beneficial for the RPI, because we get 1.3 
for road wins, uh, and at home we only get .07. So, so this trip has been really, really good for RPI-wise. FGCU 4-1 and one on this big road trip, taking two out of three at Florida State, winning both midweek games at Troy. They're back in Tallahassee tonight and through the weekend, three games against FAMU, trying to accrue as many RPI points as possible. And, Felipe, you pay attention to this in other sports. FGCU and the RPI in college baseball right now, they're ranked in the top 25. Their RPI is fourth. Fourth in the country is FGCU's RPI uh, right now. So now, now you can't just walk in and play the underdog card, can you? Now it's a totally different deal. No, no, that that is definitely gone for sure. And, and, and we spoke to them last night in the team meeting about that. Now you got a little target. Let's see how we are with the target. Uh, we got a tough test tonight. Uh, uh, with FAMU, with uh, their Friday night guys, 92-96, transfer from Auburn. And uh, so it would be a good test for us. And, uh, and Woody, we're, for precautionary reasons right now, we're not going to throw Woodward tonight. Um, so, so it's going to be a good battle. We're going to be tested tonight. And then uh, next Friday, Saturday, Sunday at home against Liberty, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That will be a big series. Hey, listen, you're the ones uh, winning these big games. I have to call you, sir. You don't, you don't call me, sir. You're the guy as tough as woodpecker lips. I mean, you know you know how soft I am, Toe. Come on. We have a lot of similarities. <laughs> I don't know if I'm afraid of you expanding on that or not. I think I'll just – I'll just leave it at that. Hey, uh, good luck this weekend. At least win the series. Safe travels home. And uh, I, I urge everybody, next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, find a way to head to Swanson Stadium. Two best teams in the A-Sun, as far as I'm concerned, FGCU and Liberty. They start conference play against one another. Should be two tournament teams, if you ask me also. So check them out if you can. Toe, good luck. Safe travels. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you, guys. Dave Tillett joining us once again here on Miller and Moulton. Mark back Monday, by the way. So ranked in the top 25, and the underlying numbers, their RPI is four. Four. You know, that's strength of schedule, your wins, the quality of wins, the whole deal. Fourth in the country. It's, I mean, it's pretty hard to be a Florida team in baseball because, you know, they play most Florida teams play other Florida teams. Mm-hmm. FGCU not playing Miami this year, which is unusual. Oh, really? Yes. First time in a long time. Yeah. They usually play three games a year against each other, two in Miami and one at FGCU. Yep. Miami not on FGCU's schedule this year, and I don't think Florida is either. Like Florida did a home-and-home with Jacksonville, and I think they've played a few others, but I don't believe that Florida is on FGCU's schedule. If they are, I miss it. So uh, just throwing that out. That's why that Florida State series was so huge. Yeah. But the at Troy wins, I'm telling you, will rank. Don't be surprised if Troy is in the NCAA tournament also. And when FGCU made the tournament, the only time the baseball programs made the tournament in 2017, they ended up winning the A-Sun tournament. But they had to do it early in the tournament through the loser's bracket. They lost the second game of the tournament. And – Earlier that season, they had beaten Miami, they had beaten Florida, they'd beaten Florida State, and they were right there for an at-large, 
even when they lost the second game in the A-Sun tournament because they had wins like this early in the season. And when FGCU's done what they've done in the last week in baseball, it's tough to be the last team standing in your conference tournament. you got to win four or five games in like four or five days. It's tough to do. It's a, a conference baseball tournament is very much a crapshoot. Well, in the bigger conference tournaments, so many teams get bids, it's okay. But in the A-Sun, very rarely does the second team get a bid. And if you look at FGCU right now, that's why this FAMU series, win it, take two, even two out of three, accrue those RPI points, and then come home. It's no different than these college basketball tournaments. Exactly. It's the mid-major in hoops who's done enough non-conference that if by chance they lose in their conference tournament, they still get the at-large. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes after the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. A couple things. One, Mark will be back on Monday. Two, good, bad, and ugly. What's on tap? Today was the day when. That stuff's all coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Carl Semesco, the women's coach at FGCU, scheduled to join us here coming up momentarily. He's actually working right now. I mean, he's conducting practice, so... I appreciate the coach actually, you know, taking the cell phone onto the court with him and uh, taking the time to take a few minutes for us. The women of FGCU nationally ranked once again in the coaches' poll. 31 wins, yet they need number 32. They need that A-Sun Women's Championship to guarantee another spot in the dance. They're hosting Liberty, top two teams in the conference. Carl Semesco joining us once again. Coach, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. All right. In the semis, offensively, you know, normally you guys score around 80. You didn't even get to 60. How much of that did you think was you, and how much of that did you think was Austin P? Well, I give Austin P a lot of credit. They were really physical. They were locked in defensively, uh, and they were really – trying to slow down the pace they were taking a lot of time on their offensive possessions and you know we like to get up and down uh so i thought they did a pretty good job controlling tempo and uh you know making us take tougher shots than we usually have to but you won and you've won 13 in a row but you're facing liberty who finally got you on the road a couple months back they haven't lost in a long time either what problems do they present well, they're a really talented team. They've they've won 17 in a row. Uh, you know, they got off to a slow start the first month, but since then they've been a top 25 level program. I mean, they've just uh, played great basketball. They have, you know, big post players who are excellent finishers around the rim, and then they got shooters all over the court, and they got uh, some guards who are great at getting downhill and attacking the basket. So, you know, they have a lot of weapons and a lot of depth and you know it should be a great game we're hoping you know to fill the arena and have a great home court advantage tomorrow night seven o'clock alico arena 
Last chance to get a look at the women of FGCU, nationally ranked in the coaches poll, getting votes in the AP poll, winners of 13 straight, 31 wins on this season. All right. Is this some, and I maybe are dumbing this down, but is this where they shoot twos and you shoot threes and whoever does it better wins? Well, no, I mean, that's the, uh, maybe how Liberty used to play this year. They've shot the most threes they have in their program's history. They've kind of changed their style a little bit and they're, they're utilizing the three point shot a lot more. And, uh, and, you know, when we were there, they shot 50% from three and, you know, we have to be able to respect their three point shooters, but at the same time, try not to leave our post players one-on-one with their posts. Listen, you're known for a few things, one of which is you allow kids to play their way through foul trouble. Do you coach any differently in a championship game? Like, do you go shorter bench? Are you more willing to maybe throw somebody in earlier if someone is struggling? Do you do anything different in a title game versus a Thursday in the regular season? I would say the only thing different is you know, in most games, if we get off to a slow start, like, uh, you know, a week ago or so at Lipscomb, we got off to a real slow start. I won't use a timeout. I'll make our players play their way through it. But when you're in like a title game, if you're struggling and you need to be settled down, you know, I'd be more likely to use a timeout just to get us refocused and reorganized. But, you know, as for foul trouble and things like that, uh, we're going to play it the same way we always do. All right, two questions left, and I appreciate you kind of stepping away from practice to do this. And I'm sure you're not going to be crazy about me bringing this up, but it was a shock to everyone around the program last year when your 30-plus win team with a WNBA player on it won the conference and got a 12 seed. Because that was, if you go by seedings, that was the committee's way of saying, if you didn't win the conference, you weren't going to get in. First, did you ever get an answer as to whether or not that was true, or did you just get a bad seating? Because obviously it's got everybody scared this time around. You're nationally ranked 31 wins, and the thought is, well, come on, you got to be a tournament team. But based on what the committee did last year, you're not. Yeah, based on what the committee has done, you know, the last couple years, I mean, we always have a team that, you know, is a legitimate, you know, five seed seed in terms of ability and uh that's why every year when we're a 12 seed you know we either win or you know we lose in overtime we're always in the game uh because that's really where we kind of grade out but we all know how how this works is you know when you're a power five you've got like 15 chances to play your way in and when you're a mid-major, they give you like 15, 20 chances to play your way out. <laughs> you know, any loss is considered a bad loss, and that's the one that why you didn't get in. Um, so, in short, we need everybody at this game, and we need to take care of business Saturday because we have a team that can win games in the NCAA tournament, and we got to make sure that we win to get there. All right, Carl Semesco, women's basketball coach at FGCU. Final question, besides the obvious, which is, you know, well, if we shoot great from beyond the arc, we're going to win. Uh, besides that obvious, give me one 
key to beating Liberty tomorrow night? Well, I would look at maybe the pace of the game. Like, the more up and down it is, the uh, the more we're playing our style. I mean, I think that would be a, one of the keys. Coach, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow night. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Carl Semesco, women's basketball coach at FGCU. They're ranked 23rd in the coaches' poll, getting votes in the AP poll, have a net in the 40s, and yet, based on last year, Felipe, I mean, when they got a 12 seed last year, and first off, they had to play Vatek in the first round last year, who was the top 20 team in both polls and as a five seed, and Vatek was furious. Like, are you serious? Our reward for our season is we got to play FGCU with a WNBA first-round pick on it? And that, I, I and was, that was a one-possession game that FGCU won. But yes. Vatek was furious. Michigan the year before was furious at the committee. Furious that they got FGCU in the first round. They were a top-20 team in both polls in a 6-11 matchup. Charlie Cream is like damn near the only legitimate women's basketball bracketologist for ESPN. He's at FGCU as an 11 seed for six weeks now, and that's with them winning the A-Sun because next to it, it's FGCU-AQ, automatic qualifier. Well, what if they lose tomorrow and they're 31-4? and See, FGC went through this in 2016. They had a long winning streak. In fact, they hadn't lost an A-Sun game all year. They got beat at the buzzer in an A-Sun final at home by two. And they had 30-plus wins. And they didn't go to the tournament. They got a win. And they had beaten two teams who had top seven seeds in the tournament on the road. And they didn't get a bid. It's going to go down Saturday night. I think it's going to be a, a phenomenal game. Well, the game at Liberty was tremendous. It was up and down, fast-paced. FGCU missed some free throws at the end and got beaten overtime. FGCU Liberty tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. The waterways of Naples are a beauty to behold, and the Bayfront Inn has multiple ways for guests to enjoy the water and have some fun. Gather your family and friends and enjoy a leisurely day on the water with a pontoon or deck boat. If you prefer to explore the waterways without a motor, the Bayfront has canoes, standboards, and kayaks. At the end of your journey, enjoy lunch or dinner at the Bamboo Tropical Bar and Grill. The Bayfront Inn. Something for everyone. On 5th Avenue in Naples. You're listening to Miller & Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes until the top of the hour, 16 or so until we're out of here. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Mark will be back on Monday. Good job, Felipe. A, the last two days. B, did not fall asleep once. And C, Fighting your way, because I know you've been a little under the weather, although you're a little better off today than yesterday. Good job. MJ flu game style. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. 
Yes, it's exactly what I thought. In between commercial breaks, I was running over to that side. I was carrying you. Towel on my head. Right. Towel on my head. We were, you know, giving you fluids and what have you. I was carrying you back. Okay. Towel over your head. You would, you know, get us back on the air. Right. No doubt. Barely had the strength to pick up the phone and call our guests. Yes. Very much. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was thinking MJ the flu game. Right. You heard that? Unbelievable. Oh, that was the sound of one of Mark's balls hitting the drink. Unbelievable. All right. Do not tempt the gods that way. (laughs) All right. But good job. Thanks for your help these past couple days. Mark will be back on Monday. All right. Which do you want to do first? No, no, no. You got to go first. Do I? Yeah. We we have an order here. Well, listen, I don't really pay. This is Mark's segment. Right. I don't this really when pay you, attention. This is when you get ready for the end of the show. Right. I or sleep, for what's on tap. I yeah. sleep through the first part, and that's why occasionally he goes, what did I miss? And I mentioned something. He goes, no, actually, I had that. I went, oh, okay. All right. All right. Hey, he sleeps through the starting five. <laughs> I get to sleep through something he does. All right, you first. It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. 1876. First phone call. Alexander Graham Bell says, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Whoa. First phone call. 147 years ago today. So think about that when you see all the AT&T and Verizon commercials watching your hoops these next couple days. There you go. Um, On this day in 1959, Dorothy Comiskey Rigney sells her 54% share of the White Sox to Bill Veck. And we all know what franchises go for these days. Bill Veck bought over half of the White Sox 64 years ago today. For $27 million. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, that's a Kelly Olynyx contract now, I think. <laughs> um, Pete Rose made his spring training debut today He uh, in Tampa, by the way. He had hits in his first two at-bats for the Reds. Uh, great line about Rose in 63 as Rookie of the Year. He would win Rookie of the Year. It would be Stan Musial's last season. And Musial in his final game got two hits. And so when the time came 15 or so years later that Rose passed Musial as the all-time National League hits leader, Musial with the greatest stat in the history of sports, he had 3,630 hits, 18-15 at home, 18-15 on the road. Wow. So I believe Rose passed Musial at Chase Stadium. And so Musial was at the game and – I think it was before the game, he was asked about, you know, hey, the inevitable Rose is going to pass you. And he said, well, you know, I knew that that might be the guy to do it because in my final game, I got two hits and he got three. (laughs) So he was gaining on me from the very end. Wow. Uh, Wilt scored 70 today. Yeah, you know, it's another day in the office. For the San Francisco Warriors in 63, he scored 70. They lost to the Syracuse Nationals in the Onondaga War Memorial. So think about this. Wilt scored 100 in Hershey 
in one of his many, because I think he had, what, eight games? He had at least six games where he scored 70 or more. Well, he averaged 50 a game that year. No, that was 62. This oh. was 63. Okay. Okay, but he scored 70. He's had six games with 70 or more points. One of the games was in Hershey. This game was at the Onondaga War Memorial playing Syracuse. I mean, as opposed to, you know, that the NBA played a lot of games not in these major city arenas. Um, Simon and Garfunkel recorded the first version of The Sound of Silence today in 64. James Earl Ray pled guilty to murdering Martin Luther King Jr. on this day in 69. The Incredible Hulk debuted on this day in 78, 45 years ago today. Was it a smash? Uh, it was. It was a Hulk actually, smash. A, a, take a look, okay? He turns green. Uh-huh. Yes, he turns green <laughs> when he becomes the Hulk, Bill Bixby. Um, Betty Davis Eyes, released 42 years ago today by Kim Carnes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer debuted on the WB Network 26 years ago today. And 20 years ago today, wish Mark could hear this, ACDC, The Clash, Elvis Costello, The Police, and The Righteous Brothers all got into the Hall of Fame. Andy Gibb, by the way, died 40, 35 years ago today, for those of you of a certain age that remember, Andy Gibb would have been 65 today. He died at 30, complications from heavy drug use. Andy Gibb was 30, 35 years ago today. Uh, Chuck Norris is 83 today. Sharon Stone is 65. I saw her naked. Oh. At Arts for Act in Fort Myers. Yeah, she was the featured thing, and she knew how to work the crowd and she was raising a boatload of money and somebody in the audience said i love your dress and she said for twenty five thousand, you can have it okay and the lady said done no and so sharon stone's in the middle of the audience and she's got to take off her dress all right and she turns and she looks and i happen to be there with one other person and we went and got a tablecloth and some pins and we were table and we were pinning right in front of everybody we were pinning a tablecloth together as a dress and she finished as the speaker in a tablecloth doing arts for act oh my goodness yep. So she's 65 today. Bobby Petrino is 62. Pam Oliver is also 62. Rod Woodson is 58. John Hamm is 52. Matt Kenseth is 51. Carrie Underwood is 40. That makes me feel old. And Justin Herbert is 25. And that is today was the day. I got a couple additions. All right. So this time of the year now uh, traumatizes me because three years ago today, uh, Rudy Gobert was labeled out for his uh, road game in Oklahoma City due to illness. Ah, that's right. That illness was uh, the coronavirus. Yes. Yes, it was. That would go on to shut down the NBA and ruin the world and my sports life. Yeah, but you make it sound like you're blaming Rudy Gobert. No, no, I'm just saying that that's what started it all. Quick anecdote. I believe it was a Wednesday because it was the A-Sun semis and I was broadcasting it. And the news was breaking on Twitter and what have you. And FGC won, and it would turn out to be their last game of the year because the final got postponed, the tournament, and they won 30 games that year and didn't even get to go to the tournament. And so 
Carl Semesco comes over for the post-game interview. And there was an awkward moment where he had gotten word and I had gotten word and I always shake his hand. Oh. Okay. And we both kind of looked at one another. All right. Because obviously this is in its infancy. whole bunch of news is spreading. And we just kind of looked at one another and just nodded at each other and didn't shake hands. (laughs) And did the interview trying not to be too close to each other. We could have a whole segment on stories. About All right. This. And and he got up, and we both just kind of looked at one another, and I was like, you know, good luck in the championship on Sunday. And he was his voice said, okay, and his eyes said to me, I don't think we're playing Sunday. Awful. The NBA season was doing so well. Yes, that, that's definitely what I think of. When the world shut down, I'm just thinking about ago. myself. Yes, that's, that's my NBA love. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, it's my turn, isn't it? Yeah. You want to do this? Elsewhere, mock Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? So, I'm making this more of a sports-themed good, bad, and ugly. And the first one isn't probably not going to sit well with a lot of you because it's more of an anniversary that I'm celebrating that was yesterday that I failed to mention. And I'm mad at myself that I didn't mention. But for the good, we celebrate the anniversary of what I believe is one of the wildest sequences in the history of the NBA. You see, yesterday was the anniversary of a play that Dwayne Wade made against the Chicago Bulls. Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. serious? I'm serious? I'm dead serious. In I March. I have the audio. Okay. All right. It's John right. Salmons has the ball. All right. Game time. Play the play. All the, right, play. all right, all right. With six. Not a good matchup right here for the Heat. Salmons. Wade, Wade with a steal. With two. Wade puts it up for the win. Yeah, oh, baby. He did it. He did it. Dwayne Wade with the steal. That is, that is why I'm wearing this jersey that I'm wearing today, because I need to pay respect to the greatest athlete in the history of Miami. Dan Marino, step aside. Wow. Dwayne Wade. Them's fighting words. Three rings. Them's, right. Well, it, it's, it was all his doing. In 06, it was. It was all his doing. Well, it was. The refs helped. Well, I got to tell you. Stop it for no. the bad. David Moulton. I'm just kidding. For the bad... There seems to be an epidemic going on in the NBA where uh, players are injuring themselves during warmups. <laughs> you see, you might have heard Kevin Durant two nights ago was supposed to make his home debut and rolled his ankle. I guess he slipped on a wet spot or something and was out for the rest of the game or didn't play in the game. Jonathan Kaminga last night did the exact same thing. And suffered the exact same injury. So, to, uh, of course, you need to tell everyone who he is and where he plays. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga plays for the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Sorry. All right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A little different so, than Kevin Durant. Bob boys. Uh-huh. Bad. Clean up your floors. And finally. And for the ugly, we go to LA a couple nights ago where Fred Van Fleet received his eighth technical foul of the season. My referee Ben Taylor and in the post game interview just put on a masterful roast of 
NBA referee Ben Taylor. You guys need to listen to this. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was f***ing terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just f the game up. You know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bullshit tech. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um, just kind of f the game up. Nobody's coming to see that. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was and um it's been disappointing this season um you can look up most of my texts this year have been with ben taylor officiating so at a certain point as a player you feel it's personal and um it's never a good place to be that's not why we lost tonight we got outplayed um but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome cost him thirty thousand dollars it's worth it i think it was worth it i think that's the type of stuff that makes you start liking fred van fleet i understand the league has to find him but he said it. I'll take the fine. I yeah. don't care. Thirty's pretty light, actually, when you consider it. All right. That was uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. So three Florida basketball teams still playing. Uh, UCF's taking on Memphis in their conference tournament. Miami's taking on Duke. And um, FAU in the semis of their tournament. All right. And they are taking on Middle Tennessee State. FAU game at 12.30, by the way. Uh, the Miami game is 7 o'clock tonight. Heat in action. They're hosting the Cavs again. They lost to Cleveland on Wednesday. Pay attention to the Brooklyn at Minnesota game. Miami, three back in the loss column with the Nets trying to get out of the play-in scenario. Just two NHL games tonight. Panthers are one of them. They're hosting the Blackhawks, and some news in the NHL. The Flyers fired their general manager moments ago, Cliff Fletcher. He didn't do a damn thing at the deadline, and they had a bunch of veterans who they should have gotten rid of and gotten something for, and he didn't do a thing. So too little, too late, but Cliff Fletcher out as Flyers general manager. And the Dolphins freed up $11 million in cap room today by rearranging Teron Armstead's contract. So that's what's gone on this morning in sports felipe thanks again have a great weekend of course safe travels thanks for listening everyone mark will be back on monday miller and molten